that first. Are you guys ready? Oh, we're anything right. You right. Talk okay. about? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, I don't think there's anything for us to talk about. Come on in, everybody. <laughs> Welcome in. Sorry for the delay. Uh, it's all me. I, I've had a very discombobulated morning, uh, and uh, but I'm very happy that you all joined us. Man, there's so much to talk about. Should we start with the biggest breaking news? Should we start with that? Succession is coming back March 26th, and I cannot <laughs> wait. The second bit of news is the uh, EV tax credit. Uh, looks like there's been a lot of changes to it. Uh, producer wife, if you can pull up this link that I haven't sent you yet, I'm going to put it in the private chat. Uh, but Rob Mauer broke the news this morning. This is how I found out that the EV tax credit is now, uh, apl uh, now applies the $7,500 EV tax credit now applies to all model Y trims, not just, um, the five seater, uh, for based on how they did the thresholds, but now they, they fixed up the threshold. So if you can uh, click on that image for me. So we can look at it together here. The Tesla Model 3 rear-wheel drive, Tesla Model 3 long-range, Tesla Model 3 performance all have the same thresholds. But the big difference now is that the Tesla Model Y, all the trims, so regardless if it's a five-seater or a seven-seater, now have an applicable MSRP limit of $80,000, which means that any configuration of the car that you buy essentially of a Model Y, literally every configuration with any add-ons in any trim with any drivetrain now gets the $7,500 tax credit, which is a huge change from where we were um, yesterday. <laughs> so maybe we'll go down the, the list and get some uh, quick reactions from y'all uh, and then we'll turn into a discussion because I'm sure, I mean, the implications from this are insane. I, I really think so. I think there's a lot here that, that, that it says but uh, Hans, I'll let you go first, and we'll do um, Bob and then Rodman. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously having the entire lineup of Model Y, which is the car that Tesla has the most demand for, will be great. I think as with Elon saying that they've been having basically twice the number of daily orders that they have current production right now. You know, that means that they will need to do a pricing move with the Model Y specifically. Um, you know, watching inventory, we've seen that the Model Y is the car that they're, it seems like that they're getting the most orders for. Um, and then we've seen Model 3 inventory kind of rising. And so this gives them some room to increase Model Y long range price, stay under the cap, keep it eligible, have minimal impact to the consumer, but have fine control and granularity on just matching that price point with demand to keep wait times at a reasonable level for the Model Y. And um, But then also, you know, it's great for some of those higher ASP items for them to be able to sell the performance um, and the top line trims and get the tax credit that will definitely increase sales in those higher margin products, uh, which should be great for margins overall. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, this is just an overall win, but then also I wanted to say this is great for Ford, um, with the Mach-E that it helps put the Mach-E on a little bit more level playing field with the Model Y. Um, and especially after Tesla does the price increase on the long range Model Y that I anticipate that they will, those cars will probably be at a lot more similar price point. Um, and you know, consumers will make their preference choices on, both brand, but also features. And so where Tesla may win on 
features and performance at that price point you know there's going to be a lot of people who would just prefer to go with a ford um and it gives ford a little bit better runway which i think is a good thing for the overall electric car market nice uh bob richard yeah good, good morning yeah so it applies not only to the the five-seater it applies it applies to the volkswagen id4 the maki the escape plug-in hybrid and the lyric the cadillac lyric and what they did, since I'm reading it, is before they were using the Environmental Protection Agency standards to determine whether a car was an SUV, and they changed that to the consumer-facing EPA fuel economy labeling standard. And that's Good. how they were able to justify the change. So as uh, Hans was talking, what I, occurred to me is they can't make enough Ys now. There's no way they can make enough Ys, which means the only, and they have $7,500 in margin they could pick up now that's and they're going to pick up some of it you know maybe not all 7500 but they're going to pick up my guess is several thousand dollars of additional margin on each of those cars because they'll sell whatever they make i i'm certain of that so those concerns we had about two weeks ago three weeks ago about margins at you know in the uh earnings call i think that's changed dramatically today I think that we the margins just got bumped up overall. So that that's kind of what I would think. And the other thing that occurred to me is Elon went to the White House last week, and this was discussed. So maybe we got a bone because they had to include Ford, and and so we had to kind of be they had to include us to justify that change. But I'm thinking that maybe Elon had some influence there, and we have to give him props for that. We give him a lot of crap. But I'm going to give him props in this occasion if he influenced that change. Great point. Robin? Yeah, I just want to first thank you all um, for being here at the Hans, Richard, and Rodman show. We have Farzad today, too. It Hello, almost man. didn't happen because like, it could have been producer wife. But we're, we're trying to work on some changes here. Anyway. Maybe next time. <laughs> all right. So I think what's really cool about this is... Um, we first have to see Tesla make the changes. Um, we're already seeing the stock price react today. I mean, it's hard to say whether this is this 5% up today is 4% right now uh, is, is related to this. But I think uh, once Tesla makes those changes, we'll probably see a big bump. And another reason why it's not just the Model Y, um, because the prices are so close right now between the Model Y and Model 3, there is definitely some cannibalization going and I, I think like Farzad said it best, why why would you buy a three when the Y provides so much more utility at like at a slight premium? Um, so once they can like increase those prices for the Y, that while that gives a better margin profile for that vehicle, it also helps boost the demand for Model 3 because they're in less competition with each other. Less cannibalization, less competition between the cars. Yeah, that's really good. So we're just waiting for the stock price. I mean, we're just waiting for Tesla to pull the trigger on those changes. And I think from a consumer standpoint, the longer, the better. But I think from like just trying to manage the inventory and stuff, I've, it's definitely better if there's not an artificial cap to the price of a, of, of a Model Y. Yeah. Can I add something really quick? I, I, I saw this this morning and I was astonished by it. In Oregon, if you buy a Model 3, 
you get a the $7,500 federal tax credit, you get a $7,500 state tax credit, and no wow. and no tax. And so you can get it for as little as $30,000. I thought that was astonishing. In Oregon? In Oregon. Let's all move there. What are we waiting for? Or buy them there. <laughs> Road <Right>. trip. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, and no tax, meaning no sales tax on the... On the Correct. Car. Correct. Okay. Got it. Wow. So the, and there's other states as well. Like I think Illinois offers a 70, uh, $4,500 tax credit or something or 4,000. Um, uh, I know there's other states that do that as well, but the effect, the effective net price of the Tesla vehicles that have now, um, better reflect what the incentive is, is, was meaning to do. And I think the point around margin is, is a, is a very, very good one. And then when we're talking about some of the other cars as well, that we're getting this benefit as well. Producer wife, you can pull, pull up the running list of all the different brands just so we can quickly run through. And I know uh, Bob highlighted a few of them here, but I just want to make sure we have them on the screen so, so folks can see it better. Um, if you go to Volkswagen or start, start at the top, sure, whatever, pick one, doesn't matter. Uh, do Ford. Uh, then we can see the Ford, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, uh, as Bob pointed out earlier, now it's eligible for $80,000 MSRP cap instead of 55. And, and the one thing that the, the Mach-E was really suffering from was, boy, it was, it was being impacted heavily because of where they were from a price perspective and what the EV tax credit was, uh, how it wasn't applying to them. So they get a huge boost from that. Um, let's look at GM real quick. Uh, GM should have the Lyric, right? The Cadillac Lyric. Um, yeah, so the Lyric is now at $80,000 MSRP cap instead of 55,000. Great uh, boon to uh, GM. Congratulations, GM. If you go down to, uh, I think Hyundai, Hyundai shouldn't apply, right? If you click on Hyundai, is there any in there? Um, Okay, so we're still waiting for Hyundai. I think that I don't think any of the manufacturing is in, in the North America. So I don't know if they'll apply for the $7,500 tax credit unless they move some manufacturing to the continent. So they're they're not going to be there. Do do Kia? Go ahead, Raman. They're not in there either. It's the Audi okay. Q5 is also now. Oh, Audi Q5. So look at the Audi Q5. Um, I think wasn't that an 80,000 limit before? And that's a hybrid too. It's not oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where the e-tron is. I guess that they're not selling the e-tron anymore. Or they haven't put it through the qualification. Who knows? Uh, so let's go down to, let's keep going down the list here. Let's put another one. I, I, well, BMW has the X5, but it's a hybrid again. Jaguar, can you open up Jaguar for me? Because I know they have the F, the, okay, they haven't submitted anything yet. Mazda, don't, don't think they have any EVs. Let's open the Benz, nothing. Mitsubishi, man, these people are slacking. Nissan. Um... Okay, 55,000. Yep, the Leaf is just a regular car. That's just the VW is the only other one. Okay, Polestar. Okay. And then, uh, okay. So go down to VW then. Okay, so all ID4s now qualify at 80,000 as well. That's great. I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, this is great. I'm so happy to see this because now the, the proper incentive structure is set in place for people to actually buy an EV, whereas before... We didn't have that, and I'm I'm very happy to see that. Uh, it still kind of sucks to see hybrids qualify. <laughs> so if you go to uh, Stellantis, open up Stellantis for me, producer wife, if you don't mind. If you up, uh, scroll up a little bit, yeah. So you got a Jeep Wrangler 4XC. It still qualifies for the eighty thousand. So th they haven't touched the hybrids yet. They probably won't. Um, I think that's just a bridge too far. But the the fact that the EVs are now properly tagged, it's it's phenomenal. So this is great. So so 
honestly, if anybody from the from the from the IRS or the U.S. government's watching this, y'all, thank you so much. This is, I think, our tax dollars are now being used somewhat properly. Now it's incentivizing the right thing, and so that that makes me really happy. Forget about the benefit that Tesla gets. Thank you very much, and huge shout out to Rob Mauer because Rob Mauer was the very first one that put together a uh, a petition for change.org back when the bill was originally drafted and passed through. This was like months ago. So huge shout out to Rob for really bringing all the awareness at the very beginning as to how this was going to be just super lopsided. So thank you very much, Rob, for doing that. Um, and uh, I think I think the the American public had some some impact. I think it's probably uh, it, what was really cool about this whole thing is that, you know, Elon going to the White House, if you want to pull up that uh, Reuters, Reuters uh, article, producer wife real quick, uh, there is a Bob talk touch on this where Elon went to the White House to talk to different uh, officials about the EV tax credit. But I'm sure it was also a uh, very a good feedback loop for the government when hopefully there was a massive emails and a massive, uh, let's call it hysteria <laughs> happening on the internet that also gave them a different data set that said, hey, it's not just these corporate guys that are trying to get it changed. The public is not happy with this either. So um, I'm sure that had some portion of it, probably smaller than we think. Because you know, ultimately, unfortunately, money rules government nowadays. But uh, it's it's positive. It's a positive change. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I think in large part it saves Ford from bankruptcy, because that Mach it E helps. is a great car, a great car, and it's well liked, and they'll sell a ton of them. And if they couldn't get the credit, it really would have stifled their uh, their margins and profits. Yeah, the the struggle with the Mach E with Ford is that their their run rate is still. It's still like uh, sixty thousand per year. I think they're they're aiming to do. I was reading through their earnings deck yesterday. They're going to try to get over a hundred thousand on the Maki at some point, and next year. So that's their target. F one fifty Lightning, I think, did twenty thousand last year. They're probably going to try to get to fifty or sixty thousand this year. Uh, they they are going to really need to ramp up production at all to take advantage of these credits. So it's not even really a demand issue. It's a it's a it's a production issue on their side, um, and they have plans to do it. But hopefully, hopefully they can ramp it quick. So Plus, they're going to dump, you know, and this is the ultimate problem. They're going to dump all the ice inventory, you know, over the over time and GM too, all those companies. And that's going to be a real uh, headwind for them. Yeah, I, I don't think any automaker has an excuse anymore, to be completely honest, to move into EVs. Now, now, now that the uh, government has shown that they're willing to properly identify vehicles from a like segmentation perspective and actually uh let's say mostly do what the bill was intending to do which was really move forward evs if any automakers don't take that seriously they are they're just dumb like you're not doing the work that's required to survive the next 10 years and so if every single automaker doesn't have an electric ev doesn't have a, a an EV SUV or an EV sedan in the U.S. market in say the next two to three years, you are so behind. It's not even funny. You're like your Toyotas of the world, for example, and your Hondas of the world, and your Mazdas of the world. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? There's a seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit now available in the U.S. that you can take advantage of, and 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 the government says yes, we we, we will honor it, even if the official proper definition of an SUV isn't met by the IRS. Like they're still willing to change the guidelines so that it, the spirit of the bill gets pushed forward. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Any thoughts? Go ahead, Hans. 
uh, mine is a little bit off topic on this. So yeah, if anyone has thoughts here, I was just going to ask. Did unless, unless you move me away. <laughs> did anyone else see Steve Wesley's interview on CNBC where he pretty much um, insinuated that Tesla was shooting for two hundred thousand? Cybertrucks produced this year and like five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars next or six five hundred to six hundred thousand units next year. Do you have a link? And so I don't know if he um I know so that clip was part of um Stephen Mark Ryan's video from I think yesterday. What was the gentleman's name? To, sorry. Steve Wesley, the guy who's a former Tesla board member who does interviews on CNBC periodically this was from uh from a month ago no like this was uh well i don't know when his interview was i just okay. saw it in smr's clip yesterday i am yeah, egregiously I skeptical of those numbers yeah that like it seems absolutely insane I, I was wondering if maybe he got the years mixed up if he was thinking two hundred thousand in 2024 and then you know scaling up to 500 in 2025 because there's just no way that those numbers are feasible i mean we're still we're still it's february we're still seeing prototypes so how is that possible they're gonna because they're obviously yeah. not going to be in production for at least four six months at least real realistically and how would they be able to kind of ramp it up we've seen how they ramped up even like the y and the three at austin I mean, how long has that taken? So I just think that's doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it does make sense if you what you said at the end that he got his years wrong and he's projecting twenty twenty four production. And if it, he's saying two hundred thousand units in twenty twenty four, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think how that's feasible. Go ahead, Roman. Yeah, I think a lot of it to me comes down to batteries again. Um, what's interesting is like Elon's been saying. They're not constrained for batteries this year, but like, I wonder what growth number are, are they taking? Like, okay, 1.8 million cars. Like that's probably, that's not constrained. They're not constrained in that point, but at what point do they become constrained? Um, and growth of Cybertruck, I mean, it seems like that's going to be 4680. So they are building more, production out but yeah i'm still not sure that that number can be hit just with 4680 like the numbers the like the megawatts of batteries that they're producing at the current point in time and then like some of those are allocated to model y right so all the austin built model y's are being built with 4680 and i think eventually they want like the the berlin uh, model wise to be built, built with 4680 right to get that full ramp up so yeah that's that's my big question in that whole thing i perceive i'm sorry no please i perceive from like uh, what he said in the earnings call that this the supply constraint was two million I, I think that's why he put the two million i think that was supply constraint yeah hans there is a i see the video you linked is there a timestamp we should be looking at or should just play from the beginning yeah, it was like right in the beginning of the, it was in the teaser. Okay. Go ahead and play that for us, producer wife. Um, so this is from uh, Solving the Money Problem, Stephen Mark Ryan, a uh, friend of the show. Go ahead. 
there's a huge demand for EVs. And what's happening now is that Tesla has inadvertently started a price war that other automakers just weren't ready for. So expect to see other automakers now uh, Ford, others will have to follow suit, slashing prices. 17 years ago, before many people watching this channel were even born, Tesla declared war on the world's automotive industry in their original secret master plan. Go ahead. Once. I was just saying, I, maybe it wasn't right in the first part. I thought it was right there. Uh, okay. let me, I'm going to go find it. No problem. If somebody in the comments also knows where the, uh, where the timestamp is, that would be awesome as well. But uh, I just, I don't, if he said that, he has to have his ears mixed up. There's no way. There's just no way. I mean, um, if they're just starting beta production now, that means there's probably another at least at least three months of working out the kinks and working through at least three months, y'all. It's probably more closer to six months of working out all the little kinks, making the slight adjustments um, and, and making it get everything lined up correctly to, for it to be mass produced. And then you need an, at least another three to six months to work out all the kinks through mass production, especially if you're in a brand new platform. Uh, I just don't see how that's 200,000 units. I, 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 that would be absolutely insanely mind-blowing. And I, I don't think it's feasible. Yeah, the only way, only way it could work is if there's like a secret skunk works factory that's already in production and all this is a fake out, uh, which I don't really think the the case but otherwise if the production doesn't start there's no way they can produce two hundred thousand. Yeah. but like so what makes you think it's three months like is it just based on like previous um previous like, you iterations? It, it's in there if you're not a member of patreon you probably we can hear that by the way producer wife <laughs> you may have to stop sharing the screen in the background so the volume goes away and then you can hear it on your end sorry god ground go so what here's the thing for me is even though it's an all new process, like it's a massively reduced process, right? Because there's no stamping, there's no painting, right? So a lot of it is just getting the machine, like the robots to line up like all the parts that they need. Right. And I feel like they've, yeah, maybe they just are still like, dialing with controllers to operate the robots to get them to do that repetitive action. But yeah, I, I guess I just never, I've never been there. I've never seen them go through it, but it just seems like if you're trying to get like a hundred, right. They could probably get a hundred going or maybe even one or two going. Right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Looks like we found the timestamp. Uh, okay, go ahead cool. and uh, play it for us. At uh, twelve twenty-seven. Oh, go for it. You're talking fifteen thousand. Did you just say fifteen thousand sold? Is is that right? I said fifteen thousand. Now the big question is, what do they grow to? And I, I have a feeling they will ramp up quickly. They should be at fifty or a hundred thousand. But the sheer size and magnitude of Tesla's facility in Texas, combined with their expertise in manufacturing, and by the way, lower battery costs. I think they could blow by the others. And again, Tesla, no one has been able to break into the Ford 150's market. If Tesla manages to sell two, three, four hundred thousand units this year, moving to something closer to five, six hundred thousand next year, they will put a dent in Ford's most profitable sector. 
Right, understood. And you said no one can catch up to Tesla, not at this time. The way they're making profit, you said GM won't be profitable for years to come, maybe till 2025. Um, Tesla had the ability to cut the, the prices. Now we see the Mach-E um, over at Ford being cut. So what's the yeah, final takeaway here? Is there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what was the 15,000 number in response to? Do we know? That was uh, sales of rough sales of lightning last year. Got it. You know, my favorite word to use in a brief in a legal brief against the other side, and I like to throw it out is nonsense. That, that was nonsense. Really, that made no sense. That was a that was a guy that did not seem to have a grasp of this particular subject matter, because the numbers he were throwing out were just like me saying Tesla's going to sell. 12 million cars next year that's what i believe <laughs> you are you have every right to believe what you want bob <laughs> even your name listen i think i think what what a realistic thing if we think about two hundred thousand, what what could realistically be the case if if that number is in his head and i'm trying to like justify this like try to like say how why would you say that number perhaps what he meant to say is that tesla will have the capacity from a machining perspective to do 200,000, right? Like we've put the pieces in place so that if we have enough people and material to push through the line, we can do 200,000 and next year we'll do 600,000. But uh, the way he said it implies that they are, that he thinks they are going to sell 200,000. And I just, I, I just think that's, unless, unless, this alien dreadnought thing has come to fruition and they're literally just using the, uh, I don't know, energy from the sun. Somehow they've harnessed the energy of the universe to solve this problem and ramp from zero to 200,000 in, in six months with a pickup truck. Great. Like they're literally the goats. Like they yeah. are the greatest people on, on in the history of the universe. <laughs> I, th I think the other problem is that you've got, like if you're a producer, you've got to ramp up all the supply chain, right? And exactly. like, if you don't have the supply chain, like you've got to set in motion all the supply chain way in advance, right? So it's not like you can just instantly turn on this faucet that's going to produce right. like all the things that you need for 200,000 vehicles, right? And you're not going to take that risk. You're going to want to mm -hmm. slowly ramp it up so that you're not like sitting there on all these parts that you're, you can't use. So it'll be, yeah. be interesting to see if, if he, when Berlin opened, if he said Berlin might do 500,000 units this year, you know, based on capacity. It'd be interesting if he just talks capacity and not real numbers. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, Hans. You're muted. Oh, Hans, you're muted. Oh. Um, yeah, he's a former Tesla board member, so it's like he's got access to information that probably the rest of us don't have. And so my wonder is if maybe what he's sharing with us was Elon's extremely optimistic target for 2023 and 2024 that, you know, I don't think that those are going to be realistic. If that's the case, then the 600,000 number, if, if that's really the case, then the 600,000 number is really the, <laughs> I just read Bob's message. 
<laughs> what a troll. I'm not even going to share it. Uh, that was funny. Uh, we have a private chat, y'all. If y'all are like, what the hell's wrong with these people? There's a private chat. And, you know, if there's something going on we want to share, we'll use a private chat. But, yeah, it was amazing. Um, that 600,000 number, if it is real, perhaps that's that's a big that's a different number than what Elon publicly said was going to be the Cybertruck's um, production capacity, which, if I remember correctly, was 250,000. He has publicly said that the production capacity mm-hmm. for Cybertruck is 250,000. So if it's really 600,000, that makes a lot more sense to me because that is what the pickup truck market that's what what's what the demand is for the one of the leading trucks, which is the F one fifty. The F one fifty, I think, sold uh, close to seven hundred thousand in in just the U.S. I, I got to pull up the article and in just the U.S. in one year, not even globally. So six hundred thousand makes sense to me. It makes sense to me if they think that truck's going to get to you know top of the market. So yeah, that was my uh, biggest takeaway from the comments was that terminal max production capacity for austin and it may mean that there's still quite a bit of build out that has to happen like there may even need to be another building in place hard to say but um yeah it's it's good to hear some sort of confirmation from someone who has inside access to information about what tesla thinks they should be able to do Um, because yeah if you've got a million and a half roughly pre-orders for this car and you're only making 250,000 a year, it's gonna take forever just to work through the backlog, much less start satisfying any new orders once people see these things driving around on streets in Austin, in LA, in San Francisco, in New York, like they're just gonna be flooded with new orders from there. And yeah, they have got to ramp this thing up massively. And so and you know, I- I'm sure that also weighs on like their plans on scale. like. Once they hit the ground, they have got to ramp to insane levels as quickly as possible. And so I guarantee you they they know that and they have been preparing for that for a long time. And and where else are they going to produce them? I mean, they got to they got to provide them for Europe and Asia, Australia, you know, all those other places. Those are I don't think there's enough capacity to service those locations are not going to get any cyber trucks for a long time. Go ahead and pull up the uh, the list real quick, uh, producer wife, that I just shared with you, the car and driver list. So F-150, uh, this is just, let me just confirm, this is just in the States. Uh, I believe so. the 25 best-selling cars, trucks, and SUVs, uh, I'm assuming in the States, right? Did I get this wrong? For the year? Yeah, it has to be because this, this is a, a, a American publication. Okay. Uh, so if you scroll up to six real quick, I think Model Y, what do they want Model Y sell? I know Model Y was number six. Um, or where was Model Y? Oh, number nine, 231. Yeah, for sure. So this is US numbers, 100%. All right, so uh, scroll down to the F-150 again. The So it's 650,000 units that the F-150 sold. That's crazy. So 650,000 units. Scroll up to the next one. This is just in the U.S. market, y'all. So this is pickup trucks. Uh, Chevy Silverado, 513,000. So we're at 1.1 million. Scroll up. Uh, Ram pickup, uh, 450,000. So one point, call it 5 million. Nope. Uh, yeah, okay. Not a pickup truck. So go to the next pickup truck. Let's see if you can find another pickup truck. Okay, perfect. GMC Sierra, 1.75 million. Go to the next one. 
Keep going. Okay. Uh, two million. Keep going. Okay. Two million. Let's just call it two million. Uh, two million pickup trucks sold in the U.S. last year in 2022. What is the what is the typical market share Tesla commands when they release a car? Forty percent. Is that fair? Fifty percent. In the U.S., sixty percent. So this is let's say fifty. I say fifty. Fifty. Okay. What do you think, Hans? What's what's a good number? Let's pull something out of your butt. Uh, fine, fifty. I hate doing that. <laughs> okay, Rodman. Of the whole market. Yeah, like if you think about Model Three and Model Y, like and, and producer wife, see if you can find out what Tesla's market share is in the United States in its class. See so if you can put, find that number. My problem is SUVs, like can be split. <laughs> they can be split like into two different groups, right? Like it's like there's like smaller. Like there's like smaller, mid and large ones. Like like we don't like Tesla doesn't have anything in the suburban class, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Escalade class. Everything is sort of at that like like kind of that mid range, and nothing in that really small like CRV Honda CRV range. Um, mm-hmm. But like the truck thing is like different, right? Because so many trucks get converted into like utility trucks, right? And it's not clear to me. Like I I could definitely see how a Cybertruck gets converted into like a real utility. Like I'm going to take it to a job site with like tons of storage and all this stuff. But like there's people who use them for like off-roading. So like that's like a different class. So it's like, is it going to really cover like all the different classes? I think it covers a lot, but like I, I'm going to say 30, 30% of 30%. that 2 million, right? Like, okay. like 50% seems... Yeah, I don't see it, at least in the short term, in the next three years, four years. And in the chat, let us know what yours, your number is. I love to see these come through. So what is your, what do you think is the market share? So if if uh, if Cybertruck were to enter the pickup truck market in the United States, what percentage market share would it command? Uh, and then while, while producer wife's trying to find the market share that Model Y and Model 3 is going to pull, uh, has pulled in the past, uh, let's see what kind of numbers come in. So we got uh, Flavio says 25, Christy says 40, a Heavy D says 25, and then we got more coming through, 20%, 20%, 30, 25. Um, in what t- time frame launch is the question? Let's say let's say when they're fully ramped. So when, when Tesla's fully ramped, what kind of p- percent market share can they pull? 50, 30? Even, I don't even think that's the real issue because they can only, you know, we're talking about production of 200,000 units and demand for 600,000 units. That means the pricing just to keep people not going crazy is going to be super high. Margins are going to be super high. They have to be in in order to not make people crazy. So that, but, but the the point I'm trying to get at is that the the 250,000 capacity number that Elon has shared in the past for Cybertruck is complete bogus. It doesn't make any sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And hopefully I'm not, uh, I'm sure part of my hyper bullishness, if you want to call it that, is me saying like, oh, I'm just justifying this higher number. Great. But am I really? <laughs> it seems it seems like there is a lot of um, there is a lot of data points that say that 250,000 uh, total production units for the Cybertruck seems extremely low. When you think about the terminal capacity of the Cybertruck, it's probably much closer to what the F-150s is, which is 650,000 or perhaps above that. Um, 
perhaps I, and it, go ahead. I think it just might reflect the current capacity. So maybe out of Austin under when opened and operating, the current capacity is going to be 250. And maybe that's mm -hmm. all it's reflecting. Or they didn't want to put too big of a number in there to just like make people like poop their pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that if batteries weren't a constraint, I think they could literally sell a million in the United States a year. Um, I think, I think the batteries yeah. are going to be a constraint and I think it'll, it'll take them. They won't be able to sell that many just because they won't be able to make that many. There, there's without... so much pent up demand that like, absolutely. If they've so if they could make a million in a year, they would like sell them like, like no problem. Yeah. No problem. But it's yeah. going to be like the PlayStation five, right? Like it's going to be forever before like everyone gets their hands on one. Probably longer. Are they still, the are they still short? I, I haven't, I, I gave up looking for one. Oh yeah, yeah, they okay. they have them now, but yeah, okay. it took them basically two years. Yeah. Maybe I should go. And it one. makes it <laughs> and it makes it such a special item on when it's in such short supply because it's such a cool, it's going to be such a cool vehicle. It's going to be the branding is going to be off the charts, really. I mean, like think about just how many people like got into the Tesla community since the Cybertruck. Like, there's so many people. Like even within our own like small little group, there's like so many people who just have like like they were interested in Tesla because of the Cybertruck. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be off the hook. It's gonna be crazy. There is a uh, there is a data set that we can actually use here. Pull up the link you just uh, shared with me, producer wife. Um, shout out producer wife. Round of applause for producer wife, man. She's been killing at this this freaking uh, stream. My God, my goodness. Ooh, ooh, producer wife. If you don't like that, I call producer wife. Too bad. She's my producer and my wife. <laughs> uh, Tesla Model Y passes uh, perennial top sellers in global rankings. Scroll down a little bit. Uh, there is that chart. Perfect. Zoom in into that chart. So let's do some quick math. So this is best-selling vehicle models globally in 2021. Um, oh, damn it. No, this is everything. Shoot. I thought this was just SUVs. Okay, forget it. Just but again, okay, actually leave it up. <laughs> this is actually a good a, a good representation. The best-selling global SUV, period, regardless of um, segment, regardless of price, SUV, the Toyota RAV4. If you if you if you know somebody, you probably know somebody who owns a RAV4, especially in the states. You probably know somebody who owns a RAV4. Great car, reliable, cheap to run. Um, Drives like a boat, but that's okay. That's what it needs to do. Uh, 1.1 million units globally, the RAV4. And the RAV4 is a full production. I mean, they're they're selling these like gangbusters, right? The next SUV on the list that I can see is the Honda CRV. The Honda CRV is uh, also a great car. And the next one is the HRV technically a SUV as well? Kind of, right? It's like a crossover ish sort of looking thing. But the Toyota RAV4 is a great example. As of 2022, the Tesla Model Y, if you look at the bottom, 760,000 units. And this is a car that, uh, as of last year, was double the price of the Toyota RAV4. Double the price of the Toyota RAV4. This year, that 760,000 number, once uh, Tesla grows their production, so they're estimating to go from 1.3 million to 1.8 million, probably closer to 2 million. But let's call it a 40% increase. And the, and the Model Y should grow with that. So what's 760, uh, what's 40% growth on 760? So 760 times 1.4 is 1.1 1 .1 million units. So the Tesla Model Y 
a car that after the EV tax credit in the United States is still going to be, uh, call it 30% more expensive than the Toyota RAV4. And an electric car, not even a gas car, an electric car that's in a market that has a significantly, call it smaller infrastructure around it globally, is going to sell as many units as a Toyota RAV4. So then I think that is the proper way uh, of thinking about the, the Cybertruck's long-term potential is that look at the list of the best-selling cars, see what the best-selling truck is, which is the F-150. F-150 selling roughly probably close to 800 to 900,000 units globally. Uh, if you take into account Australia and South America and all those regions as well, that's where the Cybertruck's going to end up. And it's backed up by math and it's backed up by logic. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this, this, is, this is how we should be looking at it. What do you guys think? Y'all probably agree. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I would love to see the 2019 numbers for the F-150, like what were pre-pandemic levels of production and sales for the F-150? Because um, I think that probably would have been peak pickup truck Ask sales. one more time. I'm sorry, Hans. Like what were the 2019 numbers instead of the 2021 oh. numbers? Because um, I think that that would have been peak F-150 sales probably. See if you can find that producer wife, 2019 F-150 global sales. And then we'll take a look at that. And then we'll see. What a day. <laughs> what a day, man. It's like, I, I can't believe that we're finally talking about Cybertruck in earnest. And there's a, there's a clip of the Cybertruck that was out in the wild as well. So once, once, uh, once producer wife's uh, done looking for that, we'll, we'll have her pull up the video. Um, go ahead, Rodman. So uh, you may not be, this might not be your like what you did, but like how much, how much uh, inventory of like parts did they keep like in terms of months? Do you have any clue like when they were uh, of like supply like at the factory or in, in, yeah, in yeah. the oh they're they run they run lean yeah they run lean yeah they run really lean. Um, I mean, so the. I, I mean, it's been like a year and a half now, right? I can say some of this stuff. Am I going to get in trouble if I say this stuff? Maybe I shouldn't. What are you trying Let's to put it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a lawyer, bro. You're like getting me to incriminate myself. Maybe you're on the other side. That's what it is. <laughs> I can't say. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I know they have, a, so they have on hand at the factory and they also have on hand at satellite facilities that have surplus inventory and they sort of move inventory from surplus inventories into the factory uh but a lot of parts just arrive at the factory they're on lean it's 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 a lot of just in time but that's very uh, it's a very um um standard process for most manufacturers i mean they run lean they run just in time and for those that are not familiar just in time basically means that you want you don't want to carry any additional inventory at your facility because what that means is that you spend cash to uh, to buy these things and they're just sitting on the floor doing nothing or sitting in the racks doing nothing. That cash is much better utilized being deployed for investments or maybe in your piggy bank in case something happens. It doesn't make any sense having that cash trapped in a part that's just sitting in a warehouse or in a factory. And so that's why you want just in time. Um, as far as like how many days on hand they have, I don't. I, I mean, I know the number from back in the day, but I'm sure that doesn't apply anymore. Um, but it's low. It's it's really they're trying to get it as as low as humanly possible with some safety inventory as well. Obviously, you never you never want to run, you don't want um to run out of steering wheels. <laughs> so I'm sure they have uh, steering wheels sitting in the in the 3PL in the in the third party logistics warehouse, just kind of hanging out 
And then if, if they have a shortage, they'll pull in the safety stock. I was going to ask a question. How, all this is predicated, I think, on uh, economic slowdown. You know, we're talking about, we've been talking about a recession for like a year now. And now there's talk that maybe we'll avoid a recession. It's, mm. it, there's, there's at least discussion about that. And the stock market seems to have reacted positively over the past month or two. So the numbers we kind of predicted in terms of the car market were substantially reduced because we were factoring in a recession. What happens if there's no recession and the car, the number of cars sold doesn't decrease? Um, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think would happen to Tesla, the car market, margins, et cetera. That's a great question. Real quick, pull up the article you have up right now, producer wife, for the F-150 so we can hit it. Um, how many pickup trucks did Ford sell in 2019? 900,000. Is that just in the U.S. or globally? Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. America's best-selling truck. It's got to be America. Ford sold nearly 900,000 F-150, or is it globally? Somebody help us in the in the comment section if that 900,000 number is globally or in the U.S., or if somebody knows on the panel. It is America's best-selling truck, but I think that that's a global number on the 900,000. Okay. Help us out in the uh, in the comments, and if you come across a producer wife, throw it up for us so we can uh, we can confirm that. Okay. Um, now to to uh, Bob's question, <laughs> I can't. Believe, I'm so glad that's stuck. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think if if there really isn't a recession in 20, again, I I have a I have a hard time believing that. To be completely honest, I just I I want to see more signals that show that we're really gonna not gonna have a recession because like a frozen house market and uh, a bloated inventory in vehicles, people. Uh, carrying a lot of debt. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. And, and humans will just human and they'll just figure out how to carry the debt forward. And we'll just keep growing the economy to offset a lot of the losses we're incurring. Okay. Um, it, how can it not mean that Tesla is going to be production constrained and have uh, margins that are at the same levels they were before? I don't see how that's not the outcome. If there's an economy, if there's an underlying economy that supports uh, people's ability to maximally buy vehicles. I feel like Tesla by far will benefit from that environment, especially with this EV tax credit and especially with their price decrease to the point where they're just going to be able to just dictate whatever price they want. They're just going to be like, okay, we, we, we literally can only make 2 million cars this year. <laughs> and so we're going to put the price to where we can only make 2 million cars per year. And that's going to mean margins go back up with the completion of full self-driving. It's like, I'm like, I sound like a, like I keep bringing this up as if it's going to happen and it will happen, but we've been talking about it for so long that it's like, it's, I think I at least feel like it's, uh, I'm just waiting to see it happen <laughs> before I can truly put a, a number to it. Uh, that, that could, I mean, those variables almost seem incomprehensible, strong economy, still capacity constrained at 2 million units per year, pricing power to no end EV incentives in the car in the world's largest market full self-driving completion, supercharger network advantage. And then you just, I don't know. I just, I don't see why they wouldn't, why they wouldn't have 20% uh, net income uh, and have record earnings for years on end. Cause this is, this is not just a 2023 story. If there really is, you know, we're in a very mild recession and we're going to come out of it very strongly. That also implies that we're going to have multiple years of growth of economic growth and the engine is moving you know the flywheel is going 
So this also means that we'll see this growth as the Cybertruck launches. We'll see this growth as the compact car launches. We'll see all these things uh, really carry the momentum forward. And uh, if you're a Tesla investor, I don't, this seems like a great time to be part of the story, not financial advice. I'm just saying, if you are an, an investor, there's a lot of great things going like it's where, where are the, where are the, uh, you know, where are the red flags or the, or the headwinds in that kind of environment? China is really the only one I can think of. If China decides to, uh, you know, BYD, if everybody literally only wants to buy a BYD or a, or a, Really, BYD is the only one because they're the only ones with the actual capacity to be able to sell into the market with an EV. Uh, but if their economy is doing as well as the rest of the of the world, potentially, we don't have this massive global recession that's significant, then theoretically, they should have enough demand in that region for Tesla to continue being capacity constrained. So I'll shut up and let you guys. Uh, actually, we have a link. Uh, go ahead, producer wife, bring up that link that you're talking about in the comments, and then we'll go back to discussion here oh great so this is by year okay oh this is actually super helpful scroll to all the way to the right on a little chart and so that's f-150 all the way through f-450 so that's not just f-series yeah but it is only damn. usa so that's only usa all f-series pickups damn that's so many trucks okay Perfect. Thank you very much. So 900,000 around was the peak of all F-series structures in the United States. So globally, is over a million. Go ahead, Raman. I'll shut up. So, and let so you do you, discussion. I'm not really a truck guy, but like, do you think the, uh, the Cybertruck competes with like a 250, F-250 kind of that size? Mm. It strikes me as kind of in between, like more than the F-150, but maybe not quite all the way up to an F-250. Okay. Yeah, the Cybertruck, uh, the Cybertruck has a bigger bed, I believe, than the F one fifty, the the crew cab. I think the crew cab, which is like what the Cybertruck has, you know, call it the front, a lot of room for the passengers and the drivers, as well as the bed. The Cybertruck, if if they launch how they said they were going to launch, the bed's going to be longer, and you're going to have uh, the same space in the cabin, and you're going to have a front trunk additionally. So you have more storage in a bigger bed than an F one fifty. The F two fifty has a significantly longer bed. Uh, and it can and it can tow a lot. So my my old neighbor uh, has an F two fifty, and that that thing is a is a beast. It's it's a big truck. I can't wait to pull him once I get my cyber truck and make it into a video and get some content going and embarrass him in front of everybody. So I'm very excited for that. But um, I love him to death. But uh, yeah, it's it's somewhere between like concept. Yeah, that's interesting. I think like positioning it right in between those two vehicles kind of like competes with on both ends right like it either pushes people up to that larger vehicle or maybe people are willing to go for a slightly smaller vehicle that it, at least that it's like a consideration right whereas like yeah. someone who needs a 250 like they can't substitute a 150 right like if if you need that size bed you need that size that amount of towing capacity right you you there's yeah. like no choice right so it'll definitely won't fill the the gap like the Cybertruck won't be for that those like uh, those 20% use cases in the work site where you need a giant truck that that has a 100 gallon tank and it can tow 20,000 pounds and you need to go 500 miles between stops the Cybertruck ain't going to do that but what percentage of of total use cases for a work truck 
or you do you really need that right and i think that's one thing uh the buyer usually gets trapped in is that they will purchase a truck that is like well i need this i you know, this is i'm just talking about human psychology here a little bit but what ends up happening is that people justify their purchase of something they need way more than they actually are going to use for because for one that one time that one time that they potentially need to go in the middle of the desert and pull 20,000 pounds, they need to have an F-350 or a 250. Uh, I think for the for the worker that is going to be more sensible from a cost perspective, I think that's where the Cybertruck is going to completely demolish the the commercial uh, fleet. Like yeah, that folks that are really trying to maximize profit, the Cybertruck is going to completely. And you're going to have a lot of newcomers coming. You know, I think what's going to, it's going to spur a lot of um, new industry around that respect because then you'll have the people that are not so much like buying the F-250s or the 350s because they need it. But they're going to be like, well, I can I can just enter the market with a with a fleet of Cybertrucks, get 80% of market share with my Cybertruck, and then reserve the 20% for those F-250, 350 guys, and they can have 80% less profit. And I'll, I'll take the rest because I actually am, I'm, I'm right-sizing my business to the use cases that are most common using an 80-20 approach. And I think that's where the Cybertruck's going to demolish it. Um, but it's not perfect for everything, obviously. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take you a, a, back to the place I, I took you before. We oh, all know, sorry. We all, we all know what January 6th was, right? Do you remember what January 6th is, historically speaking? Yeah, it's, the, it's the White House thing, right? No, it's the, it's the day that Tesla hit its bottom, 101.81. Oh, okay. And since that, which is less than 30 days, we're up like 98%, um, yeah. which is a pretty good run. Um, and we could drop, you know, and we probably will drop and then up and down, up and down, which is natural. So this, this is not Bob's legal or financial advice, but the primary reason why Tesla went from 412, I think that was the top, to 101, in part was because, you know, we were overbought and it was going to happen anyway. So we were going to lose something. But it was because we're treated as a growth stock. And when interest rates started to rise, the our it's a discounted cash flow model. So our current value got dumped. And when the recession came into the picture, our value got further dumped. So it appears now that interest rates are close to the top. Seems like we're pretty close to the top they'll eventually start to decline. And now there's talk about maybe the recession either won't happen or won't be as severe. And I think the stock price is a reflection of both those things. And I think long-term, especially if the economy does better than originally predicted, we'll make our journey back up towards that 400 mark. Mm. What do you guys think about that? Hans or Rodman? The hesitation. Look at the hesitation. My goodness. Uh, I cool. agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all scarred. <laughs> I think we're all scarred. <laughs> I think that the last uh go ahead, Hans. I just want to see cash flow and like let's look at fundamentals of the business. I don't care what the chart looks like. I'm not in a position where I have to buy or sell. Um Man, I wish I had more cash. I, I wish I had had a little bit less margin in the mid-200s range because that would have allowed me to load up a lot more on that sweet discount down to 100 a share. I mean, that was ridiculous. Um, but even without that, like 
I just want to see cash flow. And so, you know, I'm really excited to see what the mega pack energy contribution is this year. I'm really excited for Cybertruck. I'm really excited to see the progress on Optimus. I'm really excited to see free trials of FSD. Like, just show me the fundamental things and the rest will take care of itself. Next-gen platforms, especially if they're holding it like close to the vest until they're closer to production. Yeah. I'm really liking the uh, sort of theory. Oh, and uh, producer wife, can you ping for a Q&A? We'll do it in like um, five, 10 minutes. I want to do a little bit of extended today because there's, uh, there's a few things. Oh, is, is there something you guys wanted to hit before Q&A? Was there a specific topic? Okay. We'll do, we'll do an extended one today just for the... And I think I'm, I might keep that moving forward because I really like these being much more community-centric too. Like I think maybe doing an extended Q&A at the end of these makes sense. Let me know what y'all think, but... Um, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you guys. Love. I love the Tesla. Oh my God. I love you guys so much. I really do. Um, I completely blanked in my love for y'all. I completely blanked what I was going to say. What was the last thing somebody said? Please centered me again. Does anybody remember? We were talking about fundamentals. So next gen platform, oh. FSD trials, Got it. all that. Thank you. How great a guy Bob is. Yeah. Bob's the greatest. The best. If, Shout out to Bob, by the way. Bob's the, he's the goat. He's our, he's our legal counsel. He's, that's why we have him here. In case we get in trouble, we can leverage him. Uh, send me an invoice. Uh, <laughs> the uh, model, the, the compact car, the three uh, on three one investor day. For those that are not familiar, uh, Tesla is hosting an investor day on three one March first, where they're teasing this generation three platform. And this is what this generation three platform. Most people are. Um, assuming based on some of the guidance we got from the company is that this is going to be their compact car slash robo taxi. So that's sort of down market slash fully autonomous vehicle. Uh, I'm really warming up to the idea that this is going to be, it's not going to be a, a showcase of the actual car, but it's going to be a showcase of the, of the actual platform and how it's going to be used for the multiple uh, segments or the multiple use cases that they'll have. So like the, the robo taxi, the compact car, uh, potentially I, I heard Omar from Homar's catalog, you know, a van that this platform could be very, uh, very heavily <laughs> and Tom Nash, even, Hey Bob, thank you for the great legal and financial advice. Bob's the Bob's famous. Can you make your YouTube channel already, bro? What, when is that coming out? Uh, you have it. Oh, you're muted. I don't know if you're talking. It it exists, but I'm not sure I'm going to keep the name. Okay. I, I made a with, very, your, with your there, lawyer. There is a very brief video, like 20 seconds long. Okay. All right. I'm excited to see it. Come on, Bob. In the chat, let us know if you're excited about Bob's uh, upcoming YouTube channel, because I am. I really think it's going to be a, a showcase of the the platform itself. Where are you guys at with with that? Are you guys gonna are in a wait and see? Do you have any speculation around what is actually going to be shown on on March first with this uh, for this compact car? Go ahead, Bob. I see you. You want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say. So if they're selling the three for thirty thousand dollars in Oregon, I mean, is the with the new platform? Are we talking about like a fifteen thousand dollar car? I mean, is that like a direct competitor to the lowest end BYD car, and not mm -hmm. for the American market? this is where like my mind just like I, I can't process some of this stuff because it's it, the implications of how cheap that transportation 
thing could be is like is kind of insane with the especially with these incentives in place. Go ahead, I mean, it could be a deeper discount than that even because it's like in Oregon if you've got $15,000 off but you're starting at a $25,000 entry price, that's a $10,000 car. Is that even possible? Is that even possible, dude? I was going to say, you know, if you look at electronics, you know, if I bought the TV I did five years ago, it cost me now $34. And it probably cost me $2,000 when I started. I'm exaggerating, of course. But, you know, if it's like the electronics market, you know, comparable, yeah, those prices just get crazy cheap, especially in volume. Is So the way I think about that is, okay. Sorry, Hans, go ahead, please. Uh, from a demand standpoint there's no way that's possible like you can't keep the price there the wait time would be infinite so the that kind of a price for a so let, let's let's try to walk down the math right what's what's the cheapest car you can buy right now in the states do, do we know let me see if i can uh cheapest new car in the u.s um oh, i should i should ask you know what let's ask chat gpt I think you have to ask for a full-size car to also make sure it's not like a Mini Cooper or something like that. Okay. There's no way ChatGPT is going to let you on at the middle of the day. <laughs> oh, really? It's always slammed. I'm on. I'm oh, on nice. Right yeah. All right, let's ask ChatGPT. Look at this. All right. I'm even taking the keys away from producer wife. I'm doing your job here. Come on. <laughs> um what is the cheapest new car you can buy in the United States? Also, this is all data from, it's all been trained on information in 2021. You can buy Tata Nano? What is that? Okay. Full size. Change it to full size. You can buy in the United States. AI at work. One of the cheapest full-size cars you can buy in the United States, a Chevy Impala with a starting price around 31. I'm going to do compact. What is the cheapest compact car? The answer I got in? was uh, the Nissan Versa for 14,000. That sounds right. Yeah. Nissan Versa. Damn, that is a cheap car. Let's look at the Nissan Versa. I just went to Edmunds and I just filtered all the cars by price and I get the Kia Rio at 18.2. So the, the Versa starts at six. Wait, what, what did the price just change on me? 16, oh, 16, Okay. No, uh, manual transmission. Wait, why is this one more? Oh, okay. I'm just going to say 16. Okay. So 16,000 for a Versa. What is the likelihood that the, compact car before any incentives comes in at that price is that even a, a realistic expectation or are we are we is are well forget about demand right remove the demand variable you're just talking about cost tesla's yeah. cost yeah i think they well, do it okay no i mean if their current cost of goods sold on a model 3 is in the 33 range then their cost of goods sold on a car that's 50% cheaper to produce should be about 15, 16, 17,000. 
um, and then whatever their their markup is on top of that. Even if it's no markup, if they if they get a you know some rebate, you know, or the tax credit or something along those lines, that could be the amongst the biggest margin cars. Uh, if we take if we take Elon by his word, where he said he's got, he wants to get the, they think they can do a fifty percent cost reduction on the compact car. So forty three nine nine zero is the cheapest Model Three you can buy right now. So thirty forty three nine nine zero times uh, 0.5 is uh, twenty two thousand dollars, right? A fifty percent reduction in cost. So uh, twenty two thousand versus the versus sixteen thousand. It's about a six thousand dollar gap. But I mean, it it could be this, right? A fifty percent. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's they said fifty percent cost reduction. Correct. They they actually yep. use that number. Yeah, but I think he, he was also suggesting a new model, not just uh, taking an existing model and. Oh no, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm just taking I'm just taking the lowest model that they sell, and if they're saying that we're going to be able to reduce the cost by fifty percent, that implies that even the lowest model of the new model, uh, the lowest model, of the new model will be fifty percent cheaper than the lowest model here, which uh, means a twenty-two thousand dollar car. If Tesla can figure out how to produce a twenty-two thousand dollar EV in the United States at full ramp where the production meets the demand, I feel like this is going to be a pretty big deflationary force on transportation because the running cost of a $22,000 EV is going to be next to nothing, you know, on, on a monthly basis. You're going to have extremely cheap insurance, extremely cheap uh, costs from a fueling perspective, and your maintenance is going to be literally nothing. And so your effective monthly cost to operate a a, a potentially self-driving car, <laughs> it's going to be the same or less than a Nissan Versa starting at 16,000. That has some pretty insane implications for, for the economy, just from, from the ability of, of just anybody to buy and, and move around. That's a huge boost to the economy. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's huge. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to put the words together for how massive that implication is. In addition, also, you know, people are going to spend a lot less money, so they have a lot more money to spend on subscriptions for FSD, whatever. I would think it would be a like a demand lever for increasing uh, take rate on uh, F FSD. Just the the, the lower cost to get in. Yep. Um, Hans, where's that? Where's that chart you're talking about in the private chat? I can't. It? It, uh, I don't have a copy of it. It's just the one that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, and it was the vertical line on how price point affects oh, yeah. addressable market share. Yeah, let me see if I can. Um, but the while that's true, I just want to say we're going to run into lithium constraints. <laughs> at like, there's no way that we can produce the amount of cars that there will be demand for at those price points. Um, yeah. Would to just... be able to, without, we're just not going to have the lithium for it. Like it's not, it's not there yet. It'll, well, we will eventually, but it's going to be a long time. I think if they can do a really, like if you think back to the discussion with, uh, with Corey at Monroe, like using lighter weight materials for a car that's not, built for like 70 mile per hour crashes. If it's like some kind of urbanized vehicle, 
Like they can get the weight down, they can get the battery pack down, put less batteries in each car kind of thing. If that's what they have to do to make this vehicle work, I could see it. Like you could probably get maybe two or three vehicles per large, like two or three, like if you're going with a 30, 25 kilowatt hour pack kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, but your demand for that car is going to be like 10x. That's true. It's not, you know, and it's not truly lithium, the demand for lithium, it's the absence of refining capacity. And I think that's one of the things that Tesla is doing in Texas. I think they're building a refinery, a lithium refinery there. And I think they hopefully will make that part of their vertical integration, that they will actually be the one refining or refining a substantial amount of their own lithium. I kind of call bullshit on Elon saying that the refining is the long-term bottleneck. Like we need more mining too, but we'll see. I'm having a tough time finding that, um, a chart, unfortunately. Um, I know it was from Matthias Fonz, but I don't have a bookmark because I, I haven't been using that lately, but it's okay. All right. Um, but it's basically it basically the, what the short chart showed is the, the as you go down the pricing sort of uh, curve, your market share, your ability to sell into a market share goes up uh, almost logarithmically, is <laughs> exponentially. So you might have a twenty five percent total market share penetration at forty five thousand, but you have a ninety five percent, meaning that ninety five percent of buyers would be technically capable of affording your car at that price level. That's what it. Well, that's what it means. So was that same um, chart that showed like the dead zone that if you just don't produce produce enough capacity at some point in time, the industry kind of goes off the charts because we were unsure if there was going to be enough supply and people weren't going to be able to get the units. And at some point in time, they just lose interest in the industry. But that was before. So what I'm thinking about is today's news, adding a bunch new of new vehicles with the EV tax credit increases the supply that's available in the total market, which is a way of hopefully preventing that dead zone from occurring. Yeah. You're talking about like the, the, as we, the value of death, whatever, whatever they're referencing. Yeah, for sure. Um, go ahead and pull up that link real quick, producer wife, the YouTube link and just pause it, uh, at the start and, uh, make the screen big. So it's easy for us to see it. And then this is the chart that we were talking about, the pricing, and then we'll get into Q&A. And we'll only pull up the best ones, which will be all of them, or we'll try to. So as a recap, look at you. Look at you, beautiful people on the left there, Hans and Rodman. My God, gorgeous. Uh, 60000 price MSRP. If you look at the middle there, so it's around 5%. What it means is that $60,000 uh, cars uh only really penetrate about five percent of the total market share and cumulative as you kind of move down the move down the pricing level right so at the sixty thousand dollar mark you have a total market share of of uh, sixty thousand dollars and then seventy thousand dollars eighty thousand dollars that entire area fills up to five percent but it also means that five percent of the population can afford um uh would would technically look at a vehicle up to sixty thousand dollars and then, or 60,000 and beyond, kind of think about it that way. But then as you go up to 20,000, what it means is that if you have a $20,000 vehicle, uh, you have access to 95% of the market share. Now, people that are looking for a $45,000 car technically won't look at your car 
at 20,000 and then might be looking for something fancier. But then between the $35,000 level and the $20,000 level, uh, 75% of the market share theoretically opens up to you. And so you can, you can, you can just, if Tesla's selling, basically it, it potentially implies that Tesla sales would easily, easily triple, easily triple by introducing a, a car somewhere between the $35,000 mark and the $20,000 mark easily total. Um, but I just there's another point on that is that like, if you think back to early 2000s to late 2000s, like celebrities were buying uh, the Toyota Priuses because they were sort of like, like even though they were far below what they could afford, it was sort of a halo vehicle or it said something about you, right? And in, in a similar sense, like if you can build a car that is compelling enough, people might just get one to have one, right? Um, right. Like, like if it's if it takes up less room some or something like that and it gets you there autonomously and no other cars are doing that, like maybe that's like a reason people would, like who could afford a $100,000 car is getting one of those where it looks super cool. <laughs> if it looks if it's based on like the Cybertruck style, right? If it's some kind of sleek, like piece of origami of a vehicle, like that could be enough to like attract people to buy this crazy, really inexpensive car. Yeah. And it also, I think it, it really speaks to how, th there's a portion of the population that I feel like don't grasp that idea because they're so used to viewing the car market for what it has been for the last hundred years or even the last 50 years, which is, well, the reason why we have optionality in trims and stuff is because people demand it and that's what they're looking for. This is the same exact conversation we had around the iPad when the iPad was launched. What a stupid freaking product. No one's gonna use a tablet. Why the hell would you use a tablet? You got a laptop. And then what happened? Everybody freaking has it. Look at that. The iPads are freaking everywhere. Same thing with the smartphone, with with the with the iPhone, and that's why when people say Apple and Tesla are not good parallels, yes, they are. the The market didn't know it wanted this, and then it appear, and they're like, "Holy crap, this is way better than anything." You completely redefined what it means to own a vehicle. And that's I strongly urge those that are not sold on the Tesla story see see if there's a parallel you can draw there. Challenge your own intuitions. Drive the car for two weeks. Talk to owners for two weeks. Put yourself in the Tesla, force yourself to put yourself in the Tesla ecosystem and for two weeks. And then come back to me and let me know if if I'm wrong. And then we'll take it from there. Okay, Q&A. Let's do it. So much for extended Q&A. It's just regular Q&A now. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for joining us. We have a little bit over a thousand live viewers. Thank you all very much. If you're enjoying what you're watching, hit the like button uh, so that... There is one more number, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to, it's, it's up to you. Uh, subscribe if you want to see more stuff from us uh, as well. And um, just give you a heads up. This is my uh, community who have, uh, uh, they're part of my Patreon, YouTube uh, subscription stuff. And every Friday we, we come together and we have a discussion public. And then after we're done, we go to my private Discord and we continue the discussion for another uh, hour or so. Uh, Hans, Bob, and Rodman, thank you all so much for your, seriously, I mean, this is, I look forward to this day every single day. It's like, it's such, so fun to sit down with a bunch of nerds and talk about this stuff. It's great. <laughs> I can only talk my wife's ear off for, for so long before she's like, stop it. <laughs> so really appreciate you guys. Um, and then there's links for that in the description if you are interested. All right.
let's do the first question and uh, we'll get going and then hit us with some chill music too so we can vibe. Uh, Hadouken, uh, that little symbol means that he's also uh, signed up uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the community. So thank you so much, Hadouken, for your support. Love you, man. Question, when Teslas are a dime a dozen on the road, will the vehicles lose Mystique Luster Wow Factor like a Camry and will Tesla need to introduce new product luxury model? That's a great question. And uh, something I've been thinking about as as the Austin market has been starting to get flooded with these Teslas. How do you guys think about this? That's already a problem in LA. I mean, they're like you can't look away for two seconds without seeing a Tesla. Um, they're just my kids were just running around like naming, trying to name each Tesla, and they they ran out of names after about five minutes. Um, so <laughs> yeah. It, it does happen. I mean, I saw a, um, I saw a lucid here. Like I've seen maybe two this week and I mean, yeah, like, but does it matter? <laughs> I, I think it's just, it's like an iPhone, right? Like everyone has like either you either have an iPhone or maybe a Samsung or whatever, but like everyone has these things and it doesn't diminish like how useful they are. Right. So that's my thinking. I don't think that Tesla will care about the luxury car market at that point. Like that will be mission accomplished and they'll move on to other projects. So it'll be more about energy at that point in time or Optimus or robo taxis. Like, yeah, once that's accomplished, there'll be bigger and better things to focus time and attention on. Like Elon's not thinking about what can we do better that we used to do in the past really well, but doesn't really move the mission forward a whole lot today? Bob? I was going to say the bad news is, yeah, Tesla will lose its luster because EVs will be standard on the road. The good news is they'll be selling 15 or 20 million vehicles a year, and that will generate a lot of profit and Perhaps they'll have to introduce a luxury model to increase beyond that, but I don't think it's really material at this point. I think. I, mean, I think. Go ahead, Hans. The one like they will release the Roadster, and it'll be an incredible car. Right. I think Roadster Model S Cybertruck to an extent will have that sort of wow factor, but I think after a while, the technology becomes so ubiquitous that. It's, it's not really even about wow of the technology. It'll be something else we're distracted. Like the iPhone, we were wowed by, by like, what, five years? And, you know, there were huge lines, by, you know, outside Apple stores and people were craving for the thing. Now, this thing is like just, you know, the thing in my pocket almost dropped. Thank God I have a case. Is, uh, is exactly that. It's just a tool that we use in our daily lives. And we're not like, wow, look at the new iPhone. We're like, okay, cool, better camera. Sweet. Where's newer link? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just a, it's just a nature, natural uh, sort of movement of things. Yeah, kind of the flying cars will be what we'll be talking about at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and if that means Tesla is the largest company in the world when this happens, okay. So, you know, society moves forward. But we're still a long ways away from that. I still feel like we're at least 10 years away from that. Uh, these are great points by the panel, by the way. Thank you all. Thank you, Hadouken. Next one. And uh, Satbeer. Thank you very much for your question. Now that the IRA has increased it to $80,000 for the Model Y, do you think Tesla will further increase prices to manage demand through 2023? Yeah, we, we spoke about this briefly. Well, not briefly, for, for the first 15 minutes. If you're interested, definitely uh, go back and check that out. But uh, 
the panel I think feels that way uh, quite strongly, just because as a as a pure, um, you know, if there's a lot of demand and uh, you can't keep up with production, you're gonna have to raise your prices. Are, are you guys in align with that? Yep. Okay. Next one. Thank you for your question. Da -da -da -da. Charles sixty question Mexico yes or no? I mean I like tacos sure. Mexico is great. Oh you're talking about the Giga Factory? Oh okay. Uh, I uh, I don't know. It, it's I there was a rumor that it might get announced in March. Anybody anybody know about that? Yeah. So there's two there's two stories. There's one the one in Monterey, Mexico, and this week there was one near a new airport near Mexico City. That one was brand new. So Leon. Do, was there a layout? It was it was called Nueva Leon or oh, something like that. That's the one in Monterey. The one in Me near Mexico City, I literally saw this week, and it was the I think the president of Mexico may have referenced it, as opposed to when Nueva Leon, it was I think the governor of that particular state. I don't know if it means anything, but it's the second place in Mexico. Yeah, I would say yes. Just. It needs to be in North America. We've had, you know, I guess the biggest takeaway is we've had a whole bunch of Gigafactory rumors over the past couple months. And what that tells me is that Tesla is actively shopping around the best places to put these. We'll see some announcements soon. They'll reach incredible deals that will be profitable for both the locations where the factories are going um but it will be enough to secure tesla's long-term growth targets moving forward i did see also that nevada did reference that they got a really nice tax uh, incentive package and the expansion and i saw also that indonesia increased the amount of benefits they were offering for a plant in, in indonesia and that was this week so yep. it seems like there's a lot of negotiation going on right now and i presume that's ahead of the March one um, date. Yeah, and they all Indonesia also signaled that they would not require car manufacturing in Indonesia. That they would be open to something that's related to just batteries. So, and I know that was a sticking point in the past. This is the first time ever in the history of Tesla where they're uh, working from a from a from a standpoint of having leverage. If they've been able to have this much profit margin and production without leverage, what can they do with leverage? Okay. So like that's that's where my mind goes. It's like, okay, look out. Like we're literally just getting started. So but thank you, Charles, for your question. Nuevo Leon, by the way, means new lion in Spanish. Take that to the bank. So let that sink in. Next question. <laughs> Steven, question. What if Tesla sells a car at a price that anticipates the near perfect recycling? of the battery at end of life. Ooh, interesting question. So this implies that the cost of the battery would go down to match the labor and the loss of materials and transportation, which could lower its cost by uh, X amount. So really the battery will be the only thing that's impacted by that. Theoretically, maybe an 80% reduction in battery pricing potentially. How do you guys think? That's a fascinating question, Steven. That's a really good question. But you still have to make the battery. That. Yeah. So how I don't much think raw material prices are that much of the battery cost. Think it's a process. Yeah, like you've got all your manufacturing. First of all, like it's just if you're just looking at it from an accounting standpoint, the only line item in the battery cost that you're decreasing is raw materials, and you're not decreasing them by ninety percent. You're decreasing them by thirty, forty, fifty percent. But I mean, it's big but it's not going to be 
the end all be all. Yeah, I think you'd have to really go through the whole process of like looking at each like line item of cost and like adding them up and then like how much of it is production versus stuff that like how much of it it's lithium, how much of it's uh, nickel, et cetera. But it could be significant. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the number is, but it'll clearly reduce costs and increase margins. Right. Yeah. It's a very interesting so way to look at it. Yeah. Very, very great question, Stephen. Yeah, it would be like the what percentage of the total pack cost is raw materials and what are the costs that go into the secondary tertiary, like the th second, third, fourth, fifth time you have to go out and get the material versus the cost it takes to refine that is how much you would save over time. But then you have to add that first time, like Rama said, that first time dig for that raw material. Um, it's so maybe, awesome it's, maybe it's less. Yeah. Maybe it's like 15%. They're just intuitively 15% might be a reduction in cost or something. Maybe 20. Who knows? Really good question. Uh, Jordan, if you're watching this, get to work, bro. Give us the number. Limiting factor. <laughs> this is your wheelhouse. Let's go. Uh, next but question. The power, power of the uh, Tesla community here. It's really great Incredible. question. Such a good question. V, uh, always asking great questions. Thank you so much, V. Question. How do you view Elon's suggestion Tesla's investment in treasuries as being non-trivial? 100 million plus in risk-free return equal increased expedited deliveries. Um, I'm, uh, how am I? I'm not sure I understand this question. Could somebody help me? I think they bought they bought treasuries. It, it was, that was reflected in this particular earnings call, and they I don't know what they were generating on it four or five percent on that on that three billion or three and a half billion. It was a significant amount, but I don't know how that re relates to the increased expedited deliveries. I think it's yeah, just saying that you can afford to do more expedited, like they were paying significant expedite fees in their uh, delivery costs and that this would offset that specifically. I mean, you could use it to offset anything that you wanted. Or, I mean, I, I think that the ideally the best part is no part. The best expedited fees are no expedited fees. You got it. Um, and so unwinding the wave is definitely the way to go. And it just is what it is. And you spread out your transportation load evenly across the whole year instead of trying to concentrate things in a way that yeah makes logistics more difficult than they need to be probably makes Very your true. employees a lot happier too right 100 uh, <laughs> yeah you don't you don't you definitely don't want to raise you don't want to offset your expedited costs by by trying to make more money what you do is you get rid of expedites entirely like like hans said so um i think it's just good fiscal responsibility it's, it's just zach being yeah. a boss cfo yeah yeah, you don't want to just sit on cash and like not do anything with it, yeah. right? So Especially like, with these interest rates. Yeah. Yeah. No, great. Very fascinating question. But I think ultimately the way Tesla behaves is like, it's forget how much money they can raise. It's all about reducing costs. So they'll just, they'll, it doesn't matter. Just get rid of expedites entirely. And that's yeah, what I mean, as Rodman said, I think it was just being prudent. That was all they were yeah. trying to do. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Next question. Cyber Trucker 420. Hell yeah. Bro, you better you better put that big old leaf on the on the front. Uh question. If Tesla is analogous to Apple, how would you rectify the continued high cost of the iPhone? I see many similarities, but consumer cost decline of iPhone uh, is not one of them. Uh, I I that's a fascinating question. And I I'm curious to hear what y'all say. I think the Apple cost is a direct reflection of the demand that they have for the product. And they've they've chosen to uh 
run the you know they think they can get a certain amount of demand for this product it's it's i think the way they market themselves is kind of more luxury if you think about it versus other other phones is they sell you an experience and they want to command a higher price because that's what they believe in and that's going to cap you out at a certain amount of demand and so they're almost like dictating their demand through their price because their their goal isn't you know what what's the mission statement of apple isn't get an iphone in everyone's uh pocket it's um giving you an incredible experience right i don't even know what the hell is their mission statement does anybody know what apple's mission statement is even what is it I make a crap ton of money i think it's, yeah. <laughs> i think their mission statement is eat more juju i believe that's their yeah. mission. yeah shout out yashu <laughs> i mean i would say that they actually have reduced you know by offering lower cri- lower price entry models on the iphone se i mean the the top of the line models are more expensive but um yeah like they have definitely increased the accessibility of high quality flagship phones to price points and consumer segments that previously only had access to yeah a lot lower quality devices so uh, i take his point overall and i think he's it's a good question and he's on the right track but there is a little bit of pushback on uh, on apple's pricing strategy yeah. too they've low they lower the cost of entry for uh like an excellent mobile device that yeah. I, w- I would say that's the case yeah I was I was just... also there... oh, i'm sorry go no, you go ahead I was going to say, also, there's only two, there's really only two phones. There's the Apple and then there's Androids. And that's really it. And in maybe in electric cars, there's Tesla and everybody else. Maybe that's how it will turn out. But I think it's a lot more segmented and there's a lot more competition uh, and there's a lot more brands. And so I think there's a lot more competition in pricing. Whereas I think Apple in large part has almost a monopoly on pricing because their customers will buy it no matter what. And that's 50% of the market. They have a monopoly on profits for sure. Yeah. I, I would say that like the key to just go back to the question, like there are analogies. It's not a perfect analogy. And definitely Tesla is a company that's pushing their costs down. They're trying to get the product to the consumer cheaper because they really want to get as many of these vehicles out. And that's, that, that, that it's, he's, you're entirely correct. Uh, It's, it's not a perfect analogy because like Tesla does things differently. The one thing that I would add is for a long time, I've thought about Tesla and Apple are similar in the fact that they are revolutionizing product categories. And so that's where I would say like that analogy holds strong. Um, but then to build on top of that, you can leave behind their similarity to Apple at that point and say, okay, and now cars are to Tesla what books were to Amazon. That cars are just a stepping stone to the overall transition of the world to a sustainable energy future. And there's a whole lot of other things that Tesla's going to be doing over the next decade, two decades. Um, and they're going to expand into other verticals, just like Amazon expanded into not only all the other retail goods that Amazon began to sell after they sold books, but then getting into Amazon Web Services and other things as well. So like that's the type of overall 
mental framework that I use for understanding the future of Tesla. We can expand all of Elon's companies to be analogous to the entire Fang series, right? <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I think like Elon has a much, a much closer personality to Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. Sure. My, well, I think he has more of that vision that Jobs had uh, when he was there. I agree. Let's do one more. And then uh, we'll move it over to the uh, private Discord. Which one will it be? Da -da -da -da. Last question. And Joey, question. What do you think of Project Highland um, will have on Tesla's future and the auto market in general? Uh, great question. I think the, so, I, I know Connecting the Dots put out a, a great video. I haven't watched it yet. I'll be honest. I just, I, but I know it's a great video because everybody's like, it's a great video. So <laughs> I got to watch it at some point. Shout out Connecting the Dots. Um, I personally feel that this Project Highland thing is not as big of a deal as people think. I think what this is, is getting the Model 3 uh, to a single piece casting with a structural battery pack to get it to be similar to the Model Y to create better differentiation between the Model 3 and the Model Y from a pricing perspective because the Model Y's value for money is just too good right now especially with this EV tax credit. So I think what they need, and, and, and if they come out with a compact car or whatever, that, that 25, 30, whatever that price is for the new car, the Model 3 is literally useless. It, what, what's, the, what's the purpose of the Model 3? So what they need to do is they need to figure out how to make it slot properly between the Model Y and this compact car. And right now it's not there because it costs too much to produce. So I think the Project Highland thing is to get the Model Y cost to be in the right spot versus the Model Y and the compact car so they can make uh, justifiable, justifiable margin to actually run it through the business. And it might improve its demand by, say, 30 to 40 percent, but it's not going to be this like game changing thing. Now, there, there are going to be lessons that they'll use in the Highland project that they'll that they're trialing for probably the compact car. I, I agree with that. But I don't think the Model 3 itself is going to be this, like, all of a sudden a $15,000 car, $20,000 car. I think it's going to go from $43,000 to, like, maybe $38,000, something like that. And then they'll be able to sell it at similar margins, and it'll be a more reliable car. They'll fix the, the chassis and stuff. Because the Model 3, you remember, Model 3 is the first, the very first platform, the mass-produced platform that Tesla had. And Sandy Monroe himself said it was hot garbage, okay, outside of the electronics and everything else. And they haven't touched it since. So this is a complete revamp of that, which is going to allow them to do a better job. That's how I view it. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I did watch the video, and that was essentially what Connecting the Dots said. That So Highland Park was the initial factory for the Model T, um, and Ford used that to trial all of their production processes. And then they went on to make another factory where they really reached volume mass production. And so he was saying the analogy is that you know they're going to make the model three, a much better, lower to pro lower cost to produce car, but yeah, it's not going to be a $15,000 model three right. with project Thailand. And then they they will use whatever today's latest and greatest manufacturing technologies that they're experimenting with on the Highland model three to then inform their decisions for the scale out on the third generation platform manufacturing. Makes perfect sense. Awesome. Any other thoughts? Anything else? Yeah. So let me ask you this. When when the Model Y introduced the rear giga casting, the mega or whatever casting. So yeah, they they just introduced it straight into the line and they 
that it seemed like there wasn't even any downtime. Now that was while Model Y was ramping, like it was really in the early part of the ramp. Um, and that line had been designed around oh, really? the Giga casting. It wasn't a line that had been designed around stamping, and so they were having to kind of in tandem have the ability to do both castings and stampings but um another yeah model or body and white manufacturing processes but yeah the the line was designed for the gate casting my point is they gradually transitioned and now all model wise have a single piece casting and then there was even a point in time where it was two rear castings that were fused together to make one single large casting and they they dumped that like within like three months and then and then it went to a single piece casting. And I remember like when I got my car, I was like very excited to figure out whether mine was going to be a single or a double. Um, but now like, it seems like they could just do the same thing with the model three. And I just don't understand why they haven't done it yet. Because the, because the initial, the initial production line that they had was a mess. I mean, you think about the initial production line they put together was intended to be fully autonomous, you know, with the fluffer bottom and whatnot. And then they were stuck. They literally had to make it work. So they had to revamp the entire production line basically overnight and pull up, throw up a tent. So think about all the complexities that are built into the Freeman plant. And not only that, but the Fremont plant is also like uh, 17, 18 different buildings. And yeah. you have the material flow is a mess. It's just a giant bear. It's just such an incredible giant bear to tackle on. And I remember when I was at the company, like I, I used to, you know, visit Fremont from time to time. Man, boy, that factory is freaking full. Like, I, I don't even know how they get, I was trying to get one project through that would get, they give me like, like 10,000 square feet of space at the factory. And like, they had to put me on a, on a waiting list for like months. And then I actually never, didn't even get approval before I left. It's just on the wow. list. <laughs> so they couldn't even give me 10,000 square feet, you know? So, um, Crazy. there's a lot, there's a lot, but th- I think now what they're doing is they know as Austin and Berlin ramp. They know they have square footage they can leverage in those buildings to efficiently run products through the business. And that's going to be able, they're going to be able to justify it's like, okay, let's pause on the Model 3. And I bet you this price disparity works in their favor because the Model 3 is probably not getting a lot of demand right now relative to the Y. That's, that's allowing them to batch a bunch of Model 3s, throw them in inventory, let them sit as they rework the line. And then once they get the line going, then they can launch this new Highland thing. So it's, if anything, it's probably part of the strategy to create this price disparity between Model 3 and Y. If I were to guess. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks for that. Sure. All right, everybody. We're going to take it to the private Discord. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Rodman. The, these things under the name is pretty cool. The StreamYard just released with the... You can put whatever you want there. So you can follow all of us on Twitter here with our handles under our names. Did I spell mine right? Yeah, I did. So make sure you go follow us on Twitter. Um... Again, if you want to join us for the private discussion, uh, we're going to go to our private Discord now and have another hour or so discussion on whatever topics come up. Uh, do consider being part of that crew through Patreon or through YouTube, right? By clicking join right below this video, you get access to our private Discord and some other perks as well. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Shout out to everybody, uh, over a thousand live viewers. What a day today. Hit the like button. Look at that. And last but not least, producer wife. Great job. Thank you so much. Love you, baby. Best wife ever. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Have a great weekend.